Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. For there is only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. What now? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And they were calling to one another, Holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with His glory. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Did not condemn the world, He came to save it. Full of grace and truth. We do not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. What now? What now? To create a community that loves like Jesus and a church that the unchurched love. Because once we were lost, now we're found. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the cause that we cling to. This is the hope that we breathe. This is the love that we live for. Jesus in everything. everything. Very cool. Very cool. Welcome to Vision Sunday for 2019. And this is obviously something we do just one Sunday every year. And I absolutely love the opportunity to come and share about our vision, just to talk about vision in general. I just get so excited about the opportunities we have together when we, uh, we don't just accept for how things are in the world, but we really kind of get stirred and driven about what difference can we make with the time we've been given, with the resources that we have. And, um, and it's, just, it's just so cool to be able to talk about these things with you. And obviously, uh, if you're just visiting today, as Stephen and Ashley mentioned, uh, it's so cool that you're here, and as I did say, you do kind of get a, a backstage pass to see what drives us, and, and to see not just what we believe, but how we kind of take that belief into, into action, and uh, I realized I said Stephen and Ashley there, did I say, should have said Stephen and Alison, Stephen and Alison. Sorry guys, I know you two aren't married, you're married to someone else, but there you go. Um, but it's so good, it is so good to have you here, and, um, and again, as I mentioned, this is the first time we are streaming live onto the World Wide Web, so if you are watching from home right now, it's so good to see you. I know Brian is watching, Pastor Brian, who just got out of hospital, which is really cool, and um, so... Uh, even if it's just for you, mate, watching this at home, we're thinking of you. And uh, so this is it's just such a cool moment. And watching a whole lot of the stories we were just able to see there on those videos of, um, like, I love seeing Ellen's story. And just to think she came here when she was a, a 16-year-old girl and how she was able to find belonging and a place here and to grow here in her faith. 
and how much God is using her life now. She has her own beautiful, wonderful family. And just here on Friday night, we had 240 high school students crammed into this building. And to think that every single one of them has their story, right? And we're creating a place and an environment because we believe God is a future for them too. And so it just excites me. We just saw one person's story, but every one of those kids has a future and has a story. And then to see uh, Josh's story from Suncoast Care. I know Josh is here this morning. And to see all the stories that people were able to connect through our soup kitchen, through our shop, and uh, to give people a hope for their future. And you guys get to be a part of that. And obviously, we saw a snippet of some of the kids' lives we've been able to impact through uh, our ministry there in northern Thailand. And, you know, um, it was so cool seeing some of these kids that have been there for 10 years that they mentioned they've grown up. It, 10 years ago, there was nothing. We didn't own land. We didn't own building. We bought the land. Many of you have been given to that for a long time. We built the building. The ministry has been operating. And it, it just gets me thinking over the years to come, how many more stories of kids who maybe arrive in that facility from God knows what was their past or how they came to be there. And you might never get to meet them personally, but you can play a part in impacting future generations of kids in Northern Thailand forever. So, man, it's just such, it just, just excites me to talk about our future and how we get to uh, play a part in it. And, uh, and today, I'm particularly uh, thrilled to be able to kind of unpack, I guess, the next phase of our, of our vision. This month, funnily enough, marks the five-year mark of when Chloe and I were invited to take on uh, the leadership here and to serve you as your pastors at Suncoast Church. And so, um, so first of all, I just want to say... <laughs> To those of you who have been here since we arrived, sorry and thank you. And we just think you're absolutely amazing for, for being with us for these past five years and for journeying with us and celebrating together and giving together. And if you've joined over the course of the last five years, it is so cool that you are now part of this story and part of this journey. And we would invite you to continue to partner as we delve into the future and everything it has uh, in store for us. And I guess in preparing uh, for today, um, uh, one of the ways I, I guess I process my thoughts and, my, and when I pray and when I think about things, I often write. And so every now and again, particularly if I'm thinking about the future and I sometimes wonder where have we gone and what has been accomplished. And, you know, five years isn't a long amount of time, but it's also a lot of amount of time. And I'm just thinking about all the things that have taken place. I keep a journal. I keep a diary. I don't know if many of you do. Some of you might think that's a bit funny or old school, but call me funny or old school. That's what I do. And so um, I went back and kind of looked at a bit of our journey since we we arrived here and we took on the church. And man, I, we were like, I was 29, Chloe was 26. I don't know why you let us take the job, right? You guys obviously have a lot of faith in Jesus to let this happen. But um, we kind of just, we didn't really come with a big plan. All, all we knew was our hearts were broken for what we felt was breaking the heart of our Heavenly Father. And we just couldn't go past beyond the fact that His heart breaks for people. And so we just had a vision, plain and simply, of a church that, whose heart would break for the same thing that breaks the heart of God for people. And so that was kind of, a, we didn't have a big flashy plan or highlighted vision. We didn't know. We just, kind of, we just kind of came in and just wanted to begin learning to be pastors and learning to love and invite people to do this together. Uh, and then on just somewhat a random, not special day, I just woke up and I just had this kind of drive or this hunch to, uh, to, to begin to write about vision. And there's this passage from the Old Testament of a, an Old Testament prophet named Habakkuk. And there's this, there's this one little verse he writes in his book. He's a Jewish prophet. And I woke up in the morning and this was just kind of, this, this one verse was just on my heart. And so I wrote it down and this is the verse of Habakkuk 2 verse 2. And this is what God said to Habakkuk. He said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he who reads it may run 
And this really, in many cases, has always shaped kind of maybe yours too, has shaped your philosophy of what it means to, to write a plan down, to write a vision down, to write your goals down. Because it's one thing to have an idea and to just kind of say things and have a feeling about things. But when you've written something down and put it in cement and put it out there, it kind of gives you something. It gives it legs, right? It gives you something to run with. And this is the whole idea of vision. And so uh, I told Chloe that and she's like, funny you should say that. She goes, I've literally woken up this morning with exactly the same thing on my heart. And so she goes, look, don't go in the office today. Lock yourself in your study and just begin to write. And so here is a part of my journal entry uh, from that day. This is from Tuesday, the 10th of Feb, 10th of February, 2015. So this is just, uh, we've been, com- we're coming up to our one year mark uh, where we you know, hadn't written down a vision or anything like that, but this, is, this happened on Tuesday, the 10th of February. So today I felt led to this passage in Habakkuk. Little did I know that Chloe was also being whispered to about this very thing this morning as well. So here I am writing. Before we came here and took in this role in London, we were considering our lives, our faith in Christ, and our potential future in ministry. And Chloe and I asked one question. Is Christ enough? Is the gospel enough? Can a human life have everything it needs in the gospel? And can a church be built on the gospel? Obviously, Scripture shows us that the Christian life is about many things, but somehow they're all centered around Christ. So why Christ might not be everything, He definitely is in everything. And then I began to write down all these cheesy and corny slogans and statements, like three-word kind of sentences, which I'm not going to embarrass myself by reading out here to you. But sandwiched kind of in between them all were these three words, and they became our vision statement, Jesus and everything. And so we launched this. You can see the old date on there. That was the kind of original idea we put out there. And we just kind of launched this big idea, this idea of, of Jesus and everything. And we want it to, to be broader than just simply the stuff we did. We want it we just had a vision about who we wanted to be known for as a people, who we wanted to be known for as a church. Because if we're honest, um, you know, church, the term church and is, is a very broad idea. It's a very broad term. And you have your ideas probably of it and your background. Some of you might have better ideas of it than others. Some of you are excited when you hear the term. But even right at the start, when the, the, the church was first began after the resurrection of Jesus, as they would kind of... T- this was kind of being unpacked and they were discovering this whole big idea that Jesus had of building his church. The picture and illustration the New Testament writers had about it was this idea of a body, of a body, which is an interesting picture because the, the way they framed it is, you know, the body is one. You, you have a body, but it has many parts and every part has a unique function. So for example, your foot has a pretty different function to your eyes and your nose has a very different function to your feet, but it's still all connected and is part of a body. And so I guess we kind of felt that, well, we're part of a body. We might not have the same function as every other kind of church that's part of the body of Christ, but we have our function. And so that's kind of what this began for, this idea of, of Jesus and everything. We wanted it to be bigger than just a meeting or just services or events. We wanted it to really be part of who we are as a people. And so we looked around our city and there are some amazing, amazing in fact, there's so many great churches in their city doing their part, playing their part of the body, whatever their functional grace is to do. And we figure we don't just need to do what everyone else is doing. Let's maybe do something that no one else is doing. Let's kind of do church or let's maybe be a function of the body of Christ that currently is not functioning a certain way. Let's do something a little bit radical and a little bit different. So this is kind of what it began for us. And to us, it just really came back to this idea of, well, we don't know exactly what that looks like. We just know that this is all about Jesus Christ. And so um, we didn't want to be known first and foremost for our events or our facilities or our meetings or our services. We wanted to be known as a people. We wanted to be known as Jesus followers, 
So then when people talk about Suncoast Church in our community or people meet you or people hear about what we're about, the first thing they talk about aren't our events or aren't our facilities or aren't our meetings, as great as they all are, but they talk about you. They talk about people who are serious about their faith in Jesus Christ, that they're trying to live this out, that this Jesus life isn't simply about coming to church. It is about being the church. And that's kind of where this idea of, of Jesus in everything began. So this became really our driving ethic. We determined we just didn't want to, and this should excite you, we just didn't want to play church. We just didn't want to go through the motions and run meetings and do church stuff. We generally wanted to be caught up in what caught up the heart of God. And we generally wanted to be stirred by what stirred the heart of God. And we wanted to invite Jesus into it. And so we wanted to build off what Jesus began himself. And so I guess the question then needs to be asked. That's what happened like four years ago when we launched this. So the question is, what now? Here we are in 2019. We're five years into our tenure of, uh, of kind of where we're going as a church um, in this season. And the question must be asked, well, what now? And, and how can we put legs to this vision? How can we kind of dig deeper into this? And we've really felt the urgency today, right now, to kind of expand on what we mean by Jesus in everything. And as much as that will forever be part of our DNA and our fabric and our conviction, we feel it's important now to write down uh, what do we mean by that. And to us as those who are owning this vision and want to partner with this vision and give towards it, let's break this down a whole nother level. And so again, as I did <laughs> the other week as I've been praying and leading towards this day and our team has been working so hard. I want to thank the creative team for your amazing job. They've been here since six this morning, getting ready here today. They're just amazing people. They had an amazing first service here and got another one tonight. So, you know, we've been preparing for this for a long time. But as I was kind of praying through this, I did what I do. I wrote. <laughs> but this time I didn't write in my diary. I wrote on a laptop. And as I began to just write down kind of giving legs and heart to this, this mission and vision, I, I kind of only intended it for myself, but Chloe found it and was like, ah, oh, you, should, you should like post that online. And so I posted it online and it just, got so, it just got so much feedback and so much interaction with it. I was like, there's really something in this. I think it's really captured a lot of what we're saying. And so you'll actually find it in your brochures today, a little spiel kind of in there. And I just wanted to read a, a little bit about it um, for you today, but you can obviously read it in your own time. It gives you an idea of well, what, what now. It's this. A few years back, I had a vision of a church, a new church, a church very similar and very different to the one I grew up in. What was similar? The mission, to love people like we have been loved by God, to help the poor and disadvantaged, to compel the wealthy and powerful, to leverage their gifts to bless the world, and to create a community where people's potential can flourish within. So what was different? Pretty much everything else. Why? Because the world has changed. While some cries are the same, there are many new ones. While some problems still exist, we've created a whole bunch of fresh ones. I saw a church that would engage with the world that we have. One that answers the questions that are being asked. One that heals the parts that are broken, not just mend the symptoms. One that listens as much as it speaks. A church that invites everyone to have a seat at the table. After all, it's fairly difficult for anyone to eat the meal of truth without first being found at the table of grace. Mostly, I saw a church that was bigger than Sundays, that was bigger than moments, that was bigger than an experience, one that was bold to wrestle with the difficult, one that took faith into its homes as much as the streets, one that allows for people to not have all the answers they're looking for, yet to have all the hope they could ever need, church that had Jesus in everything. And so this, this is what we see now. This is how we kind of want to outwork it now. And the, the reason we feel so important to kind of write this down and put it out there and invite you to partner with us is we just feel now is so important. It is mission critical. And it's such an exciting time for Jesus followers to take this mission seriously, to run with it. And there's so much opportunity for us to make a positive impact in the generation that we have with us right 
now. So, here's, so what I want to do, I'm going to break it into two parts today for you. And then at the end of this, I'm going to invite us to look at kind of the practical areas we'll give towards. But I really wanted to write this down, to put it out there, and to really explain what this means. So the first part of kind of outworking the idea of Jesus and everything and how we want to put kind of extra legs to this vision is this idea. It's our vision that we would be a church that loves like Jesus. Now, this is, hopefully if you've been here any longer than a week, you would know this idea is not new. In fact, this is a very old idea. In fact, arguably, this is the idea that Jesus kind of gave us right at the beginning. The one new command he gave his new ragtag band of followers who, who saw his resurrection and wanted to spread this message. This is the command he gave them. He said, I just want you now, and the Gospel of John records this, he says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So this was, his, this was his big plan, right? Jesus' radical plan of changing the world is that we would love one another. And he didn't leave love open to a, a kind of fluid definition, right? And this is why it's kind of really strong about Jesus' leadership. He, he, he illustrated, he exemplified, he explained what he meant by this kind of love. Because if we just kind of put it out there, and I guess we can in this day and age, as love takes on many ideas and many forms, and we all have our own interpretations and experience of it. But Jesus didn't leave it open for interpretation. He says, here's how I want you to love the world. Do you know how I, I've loved you? Go and do that. So don't just make it up for yourself. The same way that I met you in your mess and the same way that I accepted you as you were and the same way that my love not only accepted you as you were, but has changed you into who you now are and who you're continuing to be. I want you to love people like that. And so this vision really isn't new at all. This is just trying to, trying to put modern words onto what Jesus originally taught that we would be when people ask, well, what's the vision for Suncoast Church? What does Jesus and everything mean? It means that we see ourselves being a church that loves like Jesus. And before you cast it off as cliche or weak or like, oh, I've heard those terms before. No, no. Jesus' love is not weak and it's not fluid. It is strong. It is messy. It gets in your face. Jesus is the kind of love that has probably seen your life change the way it has changed. And we want to kind of take our cues now from Jesus, that we want to not be afraid of, of, of kind of the, the world that is and maybe the, the opposition to faith. But we recognize we have the greatest opportunity we have in the world to reach the world, and that is to love the world. And so beyond our events and beyond our facilities and ministries, and we have a whole lot to talk about there. I wanted to more talk about who we are, who we would be, our values, our culture. And here's the thing. If you're a member of Suncoast, this isn't just looking to those with titles or certain positions or certain platform or certain events to outwork this. This is for you to own it, that you would be the church that loves like Jesus, that you would take personal ownership of this vision, that you would recognize being about Suncoast is not simply coming to something or going to something or doing something. It's about being someone. It's about being a part of a vision together. It's owning the fact that our lives have been loved by a heavenly father through Jesus Christ. And we are now called to love people the same way. Now, I, there, is, there is no two minds about this. This is, if we're honest about this, this is a challenge. This is like to write this down, to say this is our overt vision, that this is who we see us being as a church. Man, that, is, that says something. And I feel challenged by it. And I think Jesus knew it was going to be a challenge. And I'm grateful that he did not leave us alone in this challenge, but he gave us all the help we need. And I don't think it's any coincidence that today uh, our Vision Sunday falls on what is known in the Christian calendar as Pentecost Sunday. And this is such a, a unique celebration in the Christian calendar. And you might have never heard of this before, but ultimately at least for the New Testament church, it celebrates the idea of the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit on earth. 
and, and, and how with the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the church was empowered and strengthened to live out this seemingly impossible vision. But yet it happened. And here we are 2,000 years later, something that began with only a couple hundred Jesus eyewitness people who saw him alive and then began to spread this message. How did that and arrived here all these years later on the shores of Australia? Now here we are talking about it in 2019. Well, Jesus predicted it. And over the past six weeks, we've been kind of looking through how the church got birthed. We've been reading through the New Testament book of Acts. And this all happened. And right at the start, and literally the opening, the opening sentences of the book of Acts, we see Jesus saying this to his disciples. He said, you will receive, this is so good. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all the way to Kill Mountain Road in Mumbai in 2019, to the ends of the earth. So Jesus said, this mission is so large and this mission is so, in, so big and, and, and there's so much at stake that I'm not going to leave you to do it alone. I'm going to give you the very spirit that caused me to love you so powerfully and so generously. You now get to live life with this same spirit and it's going to empower you to be my witness on the earth. And so that's why I figure let's be unapologetic by saying our vision, who we are before we talk about what we do, but who we are. We want to be a church that loves like Jesus Christ has loved us. So, um, so when I talk about this, about how we be, this is obviously more than events and uh, much as this will play a part, it's more than our facilities and buildings and ministry. It's talking about a heartbeat, our conviction, our culture, who we are. So for example, it's talking about how we do community. Man, this is a big deal. That, that we would fight with every fiber in our beings, the, the, the pull to be clicky, the pull to just look after our own interests, that we would be open-armed and we would say, there is room, there's always room for more in my circle, that there is always room for more in my life, that we would not be a closed-off community, we would be an open community, we'd be invitational, we'd be accepting, we'd be graceful. Outworking this culture of being the church and love like Jesus, this affects the way then how we care for one another. And this is so important, right? And you guys do this, again, you guys do this better than anyone I've ever met before, but I wanted to write this down because this speaks of a church that our care isn't, isn't done by a small group of elite carers who have some title called carer or pastoral care worker, right? That we would all take responsibility for the caring of one another and the caring of people. That we recognize it's not a title that we're given. It's a mandate that we've all got as followers of Jesus Christ. So that's why when we talk about connect groups, this idea that discipleship and community is so important for how we grow in our relationship with Jesus. It's not just a good idea and it's not just another event to fill your calendar. We recognize that we don't want, this, we don't want to settle as a crowd. We genuinely want to be in groups. We genuinely believe that circles are better than roads. We genuinely believe that you need to have people in your life who you can be real with and open with and vulnerable with and help and be there with them as well and love people through all the seasons of your life. And I love the fact that this also speaks about who we are, that we are a generational community. And again, I want to celebrate you for that. It would be easy for us to kind of pick a season of life and say, we're just going to meet the needs of that age bracket or that stage of life. Man, it is a bold and courageous thing to create an environment from birth all the way to the grave that we want to be in people's world and all the seasons of their life, right? And you again do that so well. It talks about how we create environments of grace, of healing, of overcoming. And I love this. It's about how we create an environment and a community where people are able to be fathers and mothers to people who don't have any. Did you catch that? <laughs> because no doubt about it, if we're talking about what are the needs now, there are so many people who are without a father 
or a mother in their life. And that isn't just for the young, that is for all seasons of life. And that we would be a community that recognizes that great need and that great void in our city. And that we could be available to be a father to someone who has none and to be a mother to someone who desperately needs one. That we would be a praying church, a worshiping church, a giving church, a serving church, and an inviting church. And that this wouldn't be limited to our events or our services or our facilities, but we would outlive this vision every single day of our lives. To me, that's what it means to be a church that loves like Jesus. But then, so what do we do? What's the other side of this? If Jesus and everything means to be somebody, then what are we building? And that's the second part of this vision. If the first part is to be a church that loves like Jesus, the second part is to build a church that the unchurched love. Now, I've tested this out. I've done like, I've sent this, I've text people, I've emailed them. Go, what do you, you know, what do you think of how we've worded this? You know, And it's gotten a whole array of different responses. It's the idea of being a church that the unchurched love. I thought about it. What's the alternative? Because the last thing we would ever want is for people to be so tired and offended and turned off by wrestling with Christians that they never had a chance to wrestle with Christ. That they got caught up in our methods that they never had a chance to wrestle with our message. Because the thing we have is the message of Jesus Christ. That's it. It's what began this. The church wasn't just a random idea of bored, you know, Jewish people that had nothing else to do after the destruction of the temple in AD 70, right? This is, this is like, this was, a, this, was a, this was always a mission birth movement. It was not about places. It was about people. What people? Your people. You. Because once upon a time, you were probably an unchurched person as well. Maybe someone that was close to you was someone who didn't know the gospel, wasn't connected with church community. Maybe there's someone you love right now that isn't connected in community. And to me, this is just our way of outworking the second part of Jesus' great command. The first part where he said in John is that, you are to love one another as I have loved you. The very next sentence, verse 35, he says it this way. By this, meaning by the way that you love people, by the way that you're a community that loves the way that I have loved you, the way that Jesus loves. He says, by this, everyone will know. All people, churched, dechurched, the unchurched, skeptic, burnt out, tired, the atheist, the indifferent, non-religious, the other religious, by this, this is your edge. This is what's going to cause you to stand out. This is the difference you'll make. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so when we look at how do we outwork this idea of Jesus and everything, it's to be a church that loves like Jesus and to build a church that the unchurch love. Jesus put it so, put it so clearly. He said he's going to build his church on this rock, speaking of a place where humanity was most lost. So I just figured we need to take our cues from Jesus Christ is that we, I think that pe- people should, and I'm unapologetic in saying this, I think that unchurched people should absolutely love to come to any one of our environments. I think that unchurched people should absolutely love our culture. I think that unchurched people should absolutely love how we treat them. I think that unchurched people should love our events. I think unchurched people should love our hospitality. And I think unchurched people should love our art. Here's the thing about it, right? When we saw the example from Jesus Christ, people who were nothing like Jesus absolutely loved to be around him, but they were drawn towards him. People who were skeptical of faith, people who were burnt out by religion, they were still drawn to Jesus. And if we are Jesus followers, surely we should follow his example. And if this is how Jesus had, this is how Jesus created opportunity to impact their lives, he was attractive to them. 
who's unapologetically attracted to people who were not religious and people who didn't have a proper understanding of what God was like. So Jesus said, come to me. People love being around him. And I figured that people should love being around his followers just as much as they love being around Jesus when he was on the planet. So that's why I want to just be unapologetic. And I know this is a little bit really like, I thought like the church was supposed to be in such a way that we draw a dividing line with the world. Yes, our message, our message is radical. Our message draws a dividing line between truth and non-truth, right? But how we love people and how we create community and how we reach people and what we do, let's do it in such a way that people love. I just want people to make sure they get the chance to wrestle with their message and not wrestle with you and not wrestle with me. They should love the fact the Suncoast Church exists in their community. <laughs> and again, this isn't new for us, right? This is actually very old. This is like right from the beginning. The first church were wrestling with this idea. All these people who weren't Jews were coming to faith in Christ. They didn't understand this wasn't a non-Jewish thing. They kind of missed the part where Jesus said, everyone will get in on this. They missed the everyone part. They thought he meant just some people. But anyway, people who weren't Jewish started coming to faith in Christ. This is amazing. When they were like, what do we do with this? And do we kind of have to create these Jewish services or do they have to get a certain Jewish operation? Like, what do we have to do? How are these people going to come to Christ? And so all the church leadership got together. And we read about this a few weeks ago in the book of Acts. And James, the brother of Jesus gets up, one of the leaders of the church. And he said a sentence that had rattled my heart, has rattled my wife's heart, has rattled our team's heart, and hopefully rattle your heart as well. This is his conclusion of the matter. He said this in Acts 15. He says, I just propose that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. As if to say, if people are wrestling with faith, let's not make them have to wrestle with Christians. Let's help them. Let's not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. And when we talk about the church when it created, again, I'm not saying this is the only way to do church, and I'm not saying this is necessarily the way to do church. I'm saying this is where I feel our part of the body comes into it. This is where we get to be us as a hand or a foot or a mouth or eye, whatever we're graced to be, is that let's create environments. Let's build a church that unchurched people love. So when people in our city talk about Suncoast, they go, I am so grateful those people exist in this city. I, I don't necessarily believe what they believe, but I absolutely love the fact they're here. So Jesus and everything, this is what we mean by that. This is, the, the, this is it written, making it plain so we can run with it. It means to be a church that loves like Jesus and to build a church that the unchurched love. So today, I'm inviting you to partner with this vision. I'm inviting you to practically put legs to it by giving towards it. And I'm inviting you to play your part right now in this moment we have right now to make a difference and to invest in the future. We're developing facilities, environments that are going to help house the mission and vision. We're resourcing the ongoing mission to love people, your people. And so here's a few thoughts about stuff we're giving towards. And obviously, a whole lot of these things are, are, are written in your brochure that you can have a look in your own time, obviously. But um, this is how like, we've kind of planned it. And I've never really done it this way before, but I just wanted to kind of just be really straight about this. We looked at the sheer amount of people that are part of our church, the just numbers of people. We worked out the math, <laughs> And with all the, because we have a pretty ambitious giving goal this year, that if every person, every person, that's kind of young and old and everywhere in between, if they gave the equivalent of an expensive coffee every week, <laughs> five bucks a week, um, um, that would be, what, roughly around $250 a year. At the church collective, we would raise close to $350,000. And what would be amazing about that is, this is what happens when we all partner together, right? That will not only be the biggest amount singly that we have given together in its history of the church community, but we would smash all of our current goals that we have 
And we have many goals this year, many ambitious goals that we have towards it. So again, I want to invite you to invest into it. I mean, obviously you would have seen the, uh, the 3D footage of our architectural design of a potential, or what, what potentially a our future student ministry center could look like. And can I just say how I'm excited about doing, building something that will last generation. And the reason is this, I'll give you a practical example. Friday night, we had like 240 high schoolers here in this building. And what makes our youth ministry so, so healthy and so great is that the goal is not simply an event or a crowd. Their goal is to get kids in the community. So they're all in connect groups, they're all in small groups. It means they have someone in their life that is mentoring them, that is discipling them, that's helping them to grow in life and support them. And so on Friday nights, they break into their connect groups. Can you imagine 240 high school students breaking into small groups in this space right here? Fear impossible. So one of the plans we have at that student ministry facility, that there are breakout classroom kind of environments there where we can help to better disciple the kids God has brought our way. It's the same with our current children's facility and ministry we have right now. Uh, I think the week before we had uh, nearly 150 kids across our three services. That, it's a lot of kids running around this place, right? And so again, we want to create great environments that we can better um, lead them and love them and look after them and see them grow in their faith. And, and what a, a new space like this enables us to do is so much else. For example, one of the things that are really big on our hearts is to create uh, a space for a special needs kids so their parents are able to be able to come to a service and be blessed here and that we can create a purpose-built environment to love kids, to make a safe environment for them where they can be valued and they can also grow in their faith too. I mean, there are just so many opportunities with a facility like that. You have already, it's in your booklet here, we have already raised, uh, I think the, the figure is $166,000 towards that facility already through your giving over the past two years. And so I would love this year for us to be able to contribute at least another $100,000 towards that. It would make such a dent, be enough to put such a great deposit on that new build. But we can go on here. You saw obviously the videos with May Cham and Thailand, what we wanted to do through there. Now that the facility is built, um, Chloe was talking to Jonathan Vickers, who's our man on the ground over there. He's an Aussie guy who's been working in Thailand for over 20 years. And just this shoot, it's too much for us to mention today, but the whole list of ongoing ministries now to make uh, that facility do what it was being built to do. So we want to continue to resource and partner with them. Um, with our Suncoast kids, we want to do a whole upgrade of a whole lot of the facilities. And some of you I know have already given towards that. Thank you so much. And a creche has already begun its upgrade there. And so there's a whole lot we wanted to do better there. I mean, Again, I could just, there's a heap of stuff I could talk through this, but for the sake of time, I'll let you read it yourself. One of the big ones, though, is again, this is like, it's ambitious, but I'm like, we can, I just know we can do it. Um, our front of house sound desk, I don't exactly know what the term is, it's beyond my pay grade, but it is at the back there, it's got about a thousand buttons on there, and it's what enables you and I to hear and to do all our events and all of our meetings and all of our outreaches and all of our ministries and hear the gospel preach, all, you get it, right? Um, it is at the end of its tether. At any moment now, literally the thing can die. There's been some Sunday mornings where it hasn't been working. We're like, please God, let it in. We've had to lay hands on it. So we figured no, enough laying hands on it, we need to now give to it. And about 16, 17 years ago, a whole bunch of people in this church, and some of you might be still here today, gave so generously because it's a very expensive item, anywhere between eighty dollars to $100,000. Um, but it has lasted us close to two decades and served us so well. And with all the thousands and thousands and thousands of people we get to reach now in the next decades, um, I want us, this is our turn now to give towards a, a, an asset like that that's going to help us to do our ministry so well. It's just a necessity. It's something we need. Um, in the next couple of years, we literally have to replace the roof on the church building. It's probably maximum two years away. So again, 30 years ago, people dreamt and believed and gave towards this place and we're sitting in it. Now it's, now, <laughs> it's our turn. And I want to invite you, whatever part you can play to give. And if you are part of Suncoast Church, my encouragement to you is do not sit this one out. 
Don't just watch and observe and commentate. If you're part of this community, play your part. Be part of it. I know some of you, a stretch of something like $5 a week would indeed be something where you're really trusting God with that. And I applaud you for it. I'm telling you, go for it. Go for it. It is worth it. The difference it will make, it is worth it. And some of you can give well beyond that. In fact, some of you can give an awful lot. And I want to applaud you and say, thank you for using what God has given you for the next generation. Thank you for leveraging the resources God has given you to steward to advance the kingdom of God. I applaud you for it. I want to partner with you in it. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.